Psalm 48. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. In the city of our God, his holy mountain, beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that of a woman in labour. You destroyed them, like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion. Go round her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. We're going to continue in God's word looking at Hebrews chapter 12 which you can find on page 1211. Hebrews 12, starting at verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that's burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, 
His voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Brilliant. Thanks, Catherine. Exciting stuff there from Hebrews. We'll, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. Um, yeah, we're going to be looking tonight uh, at uh, what it means to be people of a heavenly city. Uh, lots of references to city in our psalm today and that in, in Hebrews 12. Uh, but people of a heavenly city. My favourite city is Edinburgh. Uh, it's uh, uh, where I went to university. Uh, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I'm filled with culture and history, and I, I love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, London doesn't rank that highly up for me, but it is still a great city. Uh, here's a scene from London. Does anybody recognise this picture? A little clue, top left, in July 2005. Anybody remember what happened then? Yeah, I'm hearing out there, it's the Olympics. It's the, it's the day when London was chosen to host the Olympics that happened in 2012. It's a long time ago. I was about 13 or 14. I can remember the day when it was, it was, um, uh, it was announced and I was in school. I was like, wow, isn't this incredible? Um, and I'm pretty sure that's the one time in my lifetime it's going to be in the UK. I may be wrong, uh, but I was also so thrilled that I got to go uh, to the Olympics itself. I went and watched handball. Has anybody heard of handball? What a weird niche sport. But it is incredible. It's exhilarating. Astonishing. I would, I'd love to play it, but it also looks quite painful. Anyway, the, the, this moment is, a, is, a, is an incredible moment uh, because the people of this city suddenly realize that they're going to be hosting the biggest sporting event in the whole world. And it's suddenly a realization of, oh, wow, it's us. We're, it's going to happen in this city. We're a part of it. Wow, wow, wow. And in some ways, when we look at a, a psalm like Psalm 48 and we begin to think about the heavenly city, there's an aspect that we should be celebrating and praising exuberantly like seen there uh, in praises uh, in, in many different ways. And I wonder if, if think, when we think about a heavenly city and think about heaven, it may be stuff that you haven't thought about before. Or you may think, does this really, really matter? And I want to say, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Because we are people of a heavenly city. That's the big thing we're thinking about today. People of a heavenly city where it's all about him. If you've closed your Bibles, I want you to get them back open because we, we want to be in the word. We're going to be in 571, page 571 in Psalm 48. Have a look at verse 1. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Lots of psalms start with this, this sort of like command to come, to praise, to, uh, to, uh, to learn and to find out about God. And this psalm starts with it. It starts by saying, God is the greatest. He is the greatest. There's no one else like him in heaven or in earth. And it, he indeed is the greatest. Jeremiah says, Lord, you are great. Your name is mighty in power. And in the psalm that we looked at last week, Psalm 47, verse 2, describes the Lord as awesome, most high, king over 
all the earth. There's been people throughout history that have been described as great. They've got great in their title, Alfred the Great, Alexander the Great, Muhammad Ali the Great. But all those people, uh, great is just part of their legacy now. They're, they're, they're no longer with us. They're dead. But God is the greatest all the time for all time. No one else is like him. And because he is that great king of all the earth, because he is great, great is the Lord, we should be making our lives all about him. But if we're honest, God isn't always or even ever recognized as the greatest in our lives because things get in the way. People get in the way. We get so easily distracted. We are easily disinterested. Uh, there's other things that take our attention. We can put it like this. Where does God rank in your life? Is he the greatest really in your life or is there something else? Maybe it's a person, a friend or a spouse or uh, a neighbor, someone who you regard as more important. Or maybe it's something that you have like your phone or your home or your career or something, something that you regard as great. Where does God fit in all the midst of that? Is he, is he like at the top of those things or somewhere in the middle? Because in truth, everything else should be down here. And God is completely above it all. God is the greatest. Are we ready to drop everything to be obedient to his call? Or is it a back seat, you know, something I'll, I'll deal with when the time comes? God is the greatest. We've got to respond to him. He's the incomparable one, the great one. We are part of his kingdom where it's all about him. And not only is he is the great God, but This great God has made this people his own people. Have a look at verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Isn't that special? Isn't that beautiful? You know, we're not the subject in that sentence. We're not like, oh, uh, God is, is ours. You know, but actually, or God belongs to us. But, you know, it's saying here that actually, uh, God, this people, it's your people. Do you remember the, the memory verse that we had last year from 1 Peter? I don't know if you forget your memories, memory verses so quickly. Let me read it out to you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. We're his people. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. It's beautiful. God is the greatest. And the reason why the city is great and, and why it's special at all is because of God. If God didn't inhabit it, if God wasn't there, then this city would just be like any other city. And there were far more uh, beautiful and grand cities that uh, may be more interesting uh, at the time. No, the reason why it's great is because of the great God that inhabits it. It's all about him. Have a look at verse 3. And let me give some emphasis here. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. It's all about him. It always was and it always will be. As one writer said, it's all about God. May he forgive us every time we start thinking it's about us. So we're part of a heavenly city where it's all about him. And part of a heavenly city where we praise and proclaim. One of the most um, astonishing uh, church gatherings or particularly sort of uh, praise or worship gatherings that I've ever been to wasn't here in the UK and it wasn't in the States uh, where I was for a couple of years. But actually it was in a small, tiny little town in Slovakia, would you believe? 
the church I went to in Edinburgh was connected to this church out in Slovakia uh, in a similar way to uh, uh, Simon, um, uh, Simon uh, Goldstone and how he's connected to a church out there in Bulgaria. Similar sort of relationship. And the pastor and a couple of others, uh, we went and visited this church um, or this sort of group of churches and we were there for a long weekend. And the Sunday evening uh, was utterly incredible. Uh, it was a building which is probably about the size of this building and all of the, the rows, they had pews and people were sardined into those pews. But not just that, there were people all the way down the aisles. Can you imagine that? All the way down, packed in as well, packed down the middle. There were, there were people even sort of lining the chancel area. That's why I had to stand. I was up there. And all these people were gathering because they wanted to praise God. And it was older people, it was younger people, little children, everyone. It was, it was astonishing. And they were uh, adoring God and loving him for who he is. Have a look at verse 2. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. So when we look at this heavenly city, when we look at God, we respond in praise. We respond in praise for new life that he's given us. Praise for his faithfulness, for his unfailing love, of his righteous and just deeds. Again, the city is beautiful because God himself is beautiful. And we are joyful because we found true joy in him. And the praise we reflect back to him is full of joy as we realize again of who he is, what he's done and what he will do. Have a look at verse 10. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the end of the earth. Sometimes, I don't know if you feel it, we can be a little bit isolated in our thinking. We're thinking, oh, we're just a small little community gathered here. We're doing church. And sometimes we forget that there are people across the planet. Millions today have gathered in the same fashion and lifted up the name of Jesus. Million upon millions. Exalting the name. Indeed, his, his name and his praise reaches all the way to the ends of the earth. Praise God for that. And we praise him because he's a fortress. We've already seen that in verse 3. If you want to, go listen a couple of weeks ago to that Psalm 46 where we learned that God is our fortress. Really encouraging we run to him somewhere he is secure and safe. I wonder, uh, just think for yourselves, are, are you growing in praise as we've been looking at this psalm series? Because we should be, because there's so much here in, in the psalms, as we, things we learn about God, that we can use to praise him. And the second thing is to proclaim. We're part of a heavenly city where we tell others about it. Have a look at verses 12 and 13. Walk about Zion, go round her, count her towers, Consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. See, the, the psalmist is, is, is encouraging those, those readers to go and look at Jerusalem and be like, wow, look at the city, isn't it beautiful? Look at the, the ramparts and the, and the sort of the towers and the citadels. And, and then go and tell that to another generation. Go, go tell of what you've seen. And that's the same what we do as well. And I think there's two ways uh, that we can do the same thing where we're marveling. And the first thing is, uh, we look at the, the members of God's heavenly city, and that's his people, the church. What do you think and, and feel about church? Do you see brothers and sisters in Christ around you, or are they just another bunch of, of strangers that have gathered for the same meeting at the same time? Do you, do you slander other churches and criticize their weaknesses, or do you uh, encourage them and love them in the same way that Christ does? 
I think we can, we can do more in terms of sharing stories. We heard that story about the Lightbright family fun night, of what God was doing there. What is God doing in our small groups? What is God doing in our different ministries? We can, we can definitely uh, be proclaiming uh, God and telling it what he's doing to our next generation. But we can also look at God's home, which is heaven, our future home. We'll go home to our, hopefully we'll go home to this evening to the, to the places we call home and we'll, we've de- decorated them and put furniture in them and, uh, and beautified them as it were to what we like. Think about heaven where the most beautiful being in the whole of the universe would have surrounded himself with beauty. It is a beautiful home, a beautiful eternity that we are looking forward to. And how much is that impacting you in the now? Is it something that we, we feel is so abstract and far away we just don't want to think about it? But are we reminding ourselves that we actually are citizens of a heavenly city? We are part of a heavenly city where it's all about him, where we praise and proclaim. And we're also a uh, part of a heavenly city where we meditate upon Christ's love. Have a look at verses 9 to 11. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices. The villages of Judah are glad because of your judgment. See, in the time of the Jewish people, Jerusalem was the main city, the main city that people would go to uh, many times during the year, particularly for biblical feasts and festivals. Uh, but, and at the very center of the city, the heartbeat of it all was the temple. It was the place where people would come to worship God, the place where people would discover God. It's the place where the psalmists, the psalms we're reading would have their inspiration and pour out their adoration to God. And we read here in verse 9 that in the temple they would meditate on God's unfailing love. What, what, are, they, what are they doing there? What are they meditating on? Well, they're reminding them, themselves of God's unfailing love expressed to them of how he brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. How he provided for them in the desert and established them in the promised land, in the city that they are. See, by looking at his unfailing love, they would understand who God is and therefore the way that he works. His righteous ways and also his judgments that we see there in verse 11 and also in verses 4 to 7. And we have something so much better. We, our people of a heavenly city, have access to the very throne room of God through the precious blood of Christ. He, words from Hebrews 4 may be familiar. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And what is the unfailing love, therefore, that we are meditating on? The love of God, which is most clearly demonstrated and shown at the cross. Now, uh, before sort of moving on with that, I just want us to think uh, a little bit about meditation, because as soon as we hear that word, we, we're suddenly triggered into thinking, oh, I don't like, I don't like that one. Uh, sorry, that was the picture of Slovakia. Um, it's a poor picture. There's one I found on my phone. Meditating upon Christ's love. Yeah, meditation. We, we think, oh, Eastern mysticism, oh, stay away, meditation, la, la, la. And, and to one respect, yes, that's true. We don't want to engage in that. But what it, what's going on there? Well, that type of meditation is a lot about empty your mind, completely vacate it, and find a state of peace. See, that is the opposite, though, of what Scripture instructs us to do. Scripture instructs us to fill our minds 
with Christ, to fill our mind with what we see in his word, to fill our mind about good things like we see in this psalm. Words from Colossians 3. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So yes, we do meditate, we do, just like the psalmist is instructing us, upon God's unfailing love. And when we do that, we get to understand more, again, like the psalmist says, of who he is. We therefore get to understand why sin is so serious. We get to understand why God's judgment was poured out on Christ. And when we look at the cross, we understand that God works righteously. And so therefore, how do we respond to that? How do we respond looking uh, at God's unfailing love? Well, we do a little bit of what we see in the psalmist. We, we are, uh, rejoice. We rejoice. We are glad. We're glad that our sins are forgiven. We are glad that Christ's blood has atoned for us and that God has accepted us. Some of those things we'll be thinking a little bit later in communion. Some things for us to reflect on. The, the difficulty of meditating. Um, it's really hard in the world that we're living in, which is so fast-paced, to do something like meditation, to sort of stop and to ponder and to reflect and to think. I've actually been thinking myself, I'm actually struggling more and more so uh, to, uh, to sort of slow down, to stop, maybe to disconnect, maybe to come back to God's word. And uh, in some ways, I'm not helping myself. Put down the phone, Matt, put down the phone. Uh, but we need to do it. There was a quote that I read uh, this week which uh, I think sort of helps to say what I'm saying. There's, there is a growing body of evidence that is, yes, not fully validated and can be argued against, but pretty clear evidence that technology, social media, immediate access to the internet, smartphones, are hurting kids' ability to focus, says Dr. Jim Taylor, author of Raising Generation Tech. We're fundamentally changing the way kids think and the way that their brains develop. So they're talking there about kids and, and sort of younger people. And it's something obviously that affects uh, my generation a lot more so. But it does affect all of us. We are, we're living in the age of the now. Everything is at, the, at our fingertips. We, we order food instantly. We go on Amazon Prime and suddenly a parcel arrives at our door. We, instead of waiting to watch eight weeks of a David Attenborough show, we just get it all on Netflix. Binge, binge, binge. Everything's down and now. And therefore the idea of stopping and meditating and waiting and pondering and reflecting on God's unfailing love can strike a sort of like difficult chord in us. Oh, how am I going to do that? But it's a good thing to do. To maybe challenge yourself. Ten minutes this week. I'm going to spend ten minutes every day and I'm going to take this psalm, Psalm 48. I'm going to meditate upon God's unfailing love. I'm going to think about who he is. I'm going to try and do something like that. I'm going to try and meditate upon God's unfailing love. Because we are part of a heavenly city where it's all about him where we praise and proclaim, where we meditate upon Christ's love, and also where we are secure forever. Have a look at verse 8. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God, God makes her secure forever. I want you to imagine that you are a Jewish man or a Jewish woman and you're reading this psalm. But You're reading this psalm at the time of the destruction of Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians. doesn't matter whether the psalm was written before or after, but just think locking now and think you're reading the psalm, but Jerusalem's a rubble. 
So you read it and you read things like, walk about Zion, go round her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels. Just a pile of rubble. Okay. God has shown himself to be her fortress. It's destroyed. I'm not really connecting to the psalm. God makes her secure forever. I can't see it. It's all, it's been destroyed. You see, the, the problem is that though buildings may be stunning and beautiful and they may be fortresses, uh, like castles like here in the UK, like Jerusalem was for a time, they don't last. Eventually they will crumble. They will fade away. We may even just get bored of them. The, the tallest uh, uh, building in the world is currently the Burj Khalifa in, in, out in the Middle East. And it's very, very tall. I haven't seen it. It'd be fun to see one day. But the problem is that it's only uh, the tallest building right now. Uh, in maybe the next couple of years, uh, there's a rumored tower that's going to be built, which is going to be a kilometer high. Oh, so tall. But suddenly the Burj Khalifa will just be any other building. It's not special anymore. It won't be impressive, but heaven is eternal. Therefore, heaven is eternally beautiful, eternally full of joy, eternally secure, eternally a fortress. It will never fade or pass away. And millions of years will look back and we'll be like, oh, how could I have trusted or uh, put my trust in any sort of type of security or that type of fortress or whatever? No, heaven is where I put my security, my fortress in God who makes her secure. Our salvation, therefore, is also secure in him. Words from Romans 8. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's secure. It's secure because of him. And so... I want to therefore come back to that scripture, the, the second scripture we had in Hebrews 12, uh, because there's, it, it's saying so many things that we're looking at at this psalm. I want to read out, uh, particularly from verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you don't refuse him. Do not refuse him who speaks. Isn't it so encouraging what we've got here? We haven't got to pilgrim like the ancient Jew to go to Jerusalem. We, uh, we heard in, in Psalm 42 and 43 people who are up in the far north and longing to go to Jerusalem. But we don't have to do that. No, we've come to the holy city, the heavenly city, the city of the living God. The place where it's all about God. The judge of all. Where there is a joyful assembly. Where uh, this city is the joy of the whole earth, like we saw in verse 2. Where Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant. The covenant of his unfailing love. Of his unfailing love. That covenant that speaks a, a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel that's crying out, saying, justice, justice, you slain me. No, his, his blood cries out, mercy. Mercy for the sons of man. That's our family. That's our home. And so therefore... Don't refuse him who speaks. This is God who is inviting us to come and be a part of this heavenly city. To be citizens of 
heaven. This is the place where we belong. That should fill us with joy and with hope. Our hearts are longing for that place to call home, to be with our God, just as he longs to be with us. There's some words here from from the Pilgrim's Progress, from the main character Christian who is thinking about the celestial city. I seek a place that can never be destroyed. One that is pure and that fadeth not away. And it is laid up in heaven and safe there to be given at the time appointed to them that seek it with all their heart. A place where it is secure. And just like that celestial city in Pilgrim's Progress, we are people of a heavenly city where it is all about him. Where we praise and proclaim, where we meditate upon Christ's unfailing love and where we are secure forever. It's beautiful. It's encouraging. It's encouraging to be people of that heavenly city. Makes us want to be going out, just like it says uh, in in verse uh, 14. Go and tell that to the next generation. Go and tell them that they can be citizens of heaven. And all of this leads to praise in a way, doesn't it? Uh, The psalmist is encouraging us to praise uh, and we want to praise. And I'm looking forward to Christ returning and ruling and reigning the nations from his holy city with justice and with righteousness where we will praise and adore him. So I'm, I'm going to invite the band to come back up because we're going to we're going to go and we're going to sing a song, uh, Awake, Awake, O Zion, uh, again, which is drawing on so many uh, themes of that which we've seen today. So many reminders, such as the fact that our God reigns. He is king of all the earth. He is the greatest. That he is Emmanuel. Our God is with us now. God has shown himself to be her fortress. He is in her citadels. Where it says in this song, rise up you holy nation. Proclaim this great salvation. Tell that to the next generation. Because we are people of that heavenly city. Let me pray and then, then we shall stand and sing and sing joyfully. Sing to our beautiful God like the psalm instructs. Lord, we praise you. We thank you that you have brought us in to your heavenly city. We are part of your beautiful worldwide church that is proclaiming the name of Jesus, lifting him high and exalting across the whole earth. Lord, help us to be encouraged. Help us to tell of this great, uh, this great city to, to other people that we meet. Help us to long for heaven. Help us to, to, to long for that day where we will be with you for eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.